Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Think Tank podcast. My name's Maria Van Vuglis from The Conscious CEO. I chat with various experts who are making an impact in the universe on topics such as business systems, personal branding, pitching, lead generation, revenue and profit, mindset, public speaking, and even team culture in the world of business. So welcome to this episode. In this episode, I will be talking to Dr. Ian Kaminsky, who runs Melbourne NLP Hypnosis Centre, where they help clients overcome challenges and excel. They work with clients individually, helping them either to overcome any form of negative behaviour, such as quit smoking, weight loss, drinking less, depression and sugar addictions and so forth or they help them improve their performance in areas like sports, sales, and exams. They also work with groups of business owners to help improve their business mindset and thereby their productivity, performance, and ultimately their business profits. In this interview, we will be discussing how to reignite your business success mindset. And there isn't any better episode than this, so let's get straight into it. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and uh, Maria. Thank you for having me on your uh, on your podcast today. We're looking forward to it. It's great to have you here today. So, tell us a little bit more about yourself, if I haven't already covered it. Uh, well, I have a bit of an unusual background, actually, Maria, because I actually come from an engineering background. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I did engineering at Monash University here in Victoria. I uh, got the academic bug in a sense. So I then went on to do a graduate diploma, then a master of science, then finally a PhD. But always fascinated, you know, with this whole area of personal development, you know, achieving success, overcoming obstacles and so on. I had plenty of those during my PhD, I can tell you. <laughs> went through three supervisors, for example. I was unwell a couple of times. So it was an interesting, interesting experience. Um, and so when I finished my PhD, we had a lot of sort of, I suppose, quite ugly politics at the university. And I saw an opportunity to sort of, I suppose, escape. You know, I was getting quite concerned at that point that if I stayed in academia for too much longer, I was gonna be stuck there for the rest of my life. And I wasn't that keen to, uh, you know, to be in prison for the rest of my life. So I thought, now's my opportunity to move on. Um, so I, I took a redundancy package and I've been sort of now working in this field ever since and absolutely loving it. Amazing. And you must have learned so much about yourself going through your PhD and um, having to go through what you did. <laughs> yeah, it was a long, long process. And uh, yes, yes, I sort of learned a lot about myself about, you know, resilience and persistence and determination and just sort of not giving up. So yeah, it was an amazing journey. And is that something that you teach now or you work with specifically with your clients in your current um Melbourne NLP Hypnosis Centre? Um, I mean, we touch upon it in the various programs that we cover um, in that we sort of, you know, we get our uh, clients to sort of log their progress and um, uh, we then discuss how they're going and, you know, talk about any challenges they've got and then give them tools to be able to overcome them and move forward. So we do sort of cover it in that respect. Um, that's probably about the limit of it. We do also cover a little bit in our business success mindset program. We talk about, 
every week now, what are some of the challenges people are having and how we can get them to overcome those and move forward. So it sort of, you know, it pops up probably with all my clients at some point. And so I can use that sort of experience that I had to sort of you know, share some of my own personal experiences. So I'm sort of, I suppose, you know, walking the talk rather than just talking the talk. If that sort of makes Fantastic. sense. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this kind of leads me into the first question for today. Um, why is it important to have a mindset of success? And does it only actually apply to the business world? Yeah, look, super, super great question here, Maria, because... You know, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, you know, and him and people like Brian Tracy. And I think even Einstein actually said things like that his success actually is 80% mindset or psychology and 20% strategy. And so, you know, most of us, you know, get caught up in all the strategies, you know, for example, how do I improve my sales? How do I actually do better marketing? How can I actually, you know, create systems in my business? And the problems with just focusing on that, of course, is that, you know, what's four times more important actually is your mindset. And I'll give you an example, which is maybe a more personal one, you know, for example, with weight loss, you know, everyone knows the general principles of better nutrition, you know, being more active physically, you know, uh, you know, sleeping well and having water and all that sort of stuff. Why do we have so many of these people around, you know? People know what they should be doing and they just don't do it. And it's the same with many other areas of life, whether it's business, whether it's smoking, drinking, and so on. People generally know what they should do. They know the strategy, but what's holding them back is the mindset or the psychology. This is actually, you know, where I can come in and help them dramatically improve that moving forward. But going back to the business, you know, side of things, you know, for the business to grow, who needs to grow first? The business owner. Absolutely. And also the business, yeah, yeah. And also the business ultimately becomes a reflection, in fact, of the business owner, you know, including all their, you know, poor self-image and, you know, negative patterns of behavior and, you know, getting angry and upset. Ultimately, the business becomes a reflection of the owner itself. So, you know, it's so important that the owner, you know, gets their mindset right to then be able to grow and really build that business to something, you know, really substantial and, and profitable. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have seen this personally quite commonly with people that I work with, you know, being in the same field, I would say, um, that majority of the people know what to do, how to do it, but it's always why does it have to be so hard in the execution of it? So, um, yeah, so the mindset. So I think uh, what I the biggest takeaway with what you said is, you know, knowing how to bridge that gap between that strategy and the mindset to be able to have a much more uh, profound, holistic approach. And when I talk to coaches, you know, whether they're business coaches or, you know, personal training type coaches or even life coaches, what they find the most frustrating actually is they tell their clients what to do. They've got everything they need to do. They just don't do it. And they just find they're just pulling their hair out as a result. 
So, uh, yes, it's one of the probably the biggest bugbears of coaching around the world. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, and um, coaches taking their own advice as well. So that can definitely, um, you know, walk the talk, like you were saying earlier in terms of what you do. So I think that's an ultimate um, and a piece of the puzzling being able to create proficiency in any business, do you think? I was just going to say, it's an interesting point you raised because I work a lot in mastermind groups with, you know, various professionals, whether they're hypnotherapists, whether they're coaches, whether they're, you know, NLP practitioners. And it's interesting, this whole point about do you do what you tell your clients to do? <laughs> and it's uh, not that uncommon and that's not quite the case. <laughs> You've probably heard the saying, um, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's hilarious. So tell me, uh, Dr. Ian, what are the three things that prevent someone from adopting a mindset of success? Well, there's probably more, a lot more than three. I, I bet. But I would say probably number one is like limiting beliefs would be certainly one. Uh, and tied in that actually quite close is actually a poor self-image. Because in fact, if I ask you a question, Maria, you know, how many times have you seen a great opportunity that would have, you know, made a huge difference either to your business or personally, but you didn't take it up because you doubted your abilities, you know, for whatever reason. Mm. I mean, that happened to me many, many times. And so I realized, you know, we have opportunities around us all the time, but we often fail to take advantage of them because we have the doubts about what we're capable of, what our abilities are. So I think number one certainly is limiting beliefs and poor self-image. I think number two also relates to things like motivation. You know, knowing quite carefully, you know, what actually motivates you. I was talking to a client, in fact, just this morning, would you believe? And we're talking about this. It's really, really interesting. Um, and she's actually seeing me for my Drink Less program. And she was telling me about how she was really struggling to, to finish off writing a book that she was uh, having to write. I said to her, that's really interesting. Tell me more. And she was telling me, oh, look, you know, it's, it's such a big project. And I said, okay, well, tell me one thing. Are you motivated more by avoiding pain or by obtaining pleasure. She said to me, oh, 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 yeah, I love the pleasure. It's just awesome. I said, well, I said, you need to have a reward for every time you do a chunk of work on that particular book. Because without that reward, you ain't going to get very far. You know, so it's very important to understand, you know, what are the things that motivate us uh, very, very clearly. And then doing things in our work or, you know, whatever we need to do, both personally and also professionally, that actually we can use that knowledge to help us propel forward, build momentum and achieve, achieve results. Mm -hmm. uh, number three, I would say our environment is also critical. You know, who we sort of hang out with. You know, and I've got a couple of really, well, there's one saying I really love when it comes to your environment. And it goes like this. How can you soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys? <laughs> That's great. You know, and, and you've probably heard, I mean, I'll hear your thoughts, but you've probably heard the, the saying many times, Maria, that, you know, we end up becoming the average of the five people we hang out the most with. 
you know, whether it's in terms of our finances, whether it's in terms of our relationships, you know, our health, drinking, you know, even drugs and so on. So our environment is actually critical to our success. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that, Maria? Do you sort of, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so I come, I look at it from a perspective of values and values is um, majority of the time uh, influenced by one's environment, unless they're conscious of what's happening in the environment, they can actually change what motivates them and what, what you know, their values are. But 90% of people in today's society are not conscious to know that. So therefore, whenever things change in the environment, such as what's happening now, their values shift, which means that their motivators shift in a different direction as well. Mm, mm. I think other things that come to mind are particularly your health and well-being. I think this is also very, very important when it comes to, you know, um, having a success mindset. For example, you know, if are you better um, in a better situation to deal with the challenge you come up with on a daily basis if you're in a negative down state compared to being in a positive, healthy state? And we all probably agree, you know, being in a really positive one, I can deal with almost anything that actually comes up during the day. But when you're in a really sort of negative or you're just not feeling well, you know, you've got no energies and so on, it's very hard to perform at your best. Mm -hmm. Maybe one last one, I think, actually is also focus. You know, I think, you know, we live in an age of distractions everywhere. You know, whatever you turn to, there's sort of social media, there's, you know, SMSs, there's emails, there's just stuff everywhere. And people are finding it really, really hard now, Maria, to be able to just sort of stay focused on the things that are important and actually getting those done first before looking at other things that, of course, aren't that important. Mm -hmm. So we went a little bit beyond three, but I think they're probably the, the main ones that sort of come to mind. No, that's, that's great no and just to backtrack in um some of the points that you had just mentioned in terms of state you know going from a being more resourceful in a in a positive state my question to you about that is how does one shift if they find themselves in a negative state to move themselves into a positive state which is a lot more resourceful in um problem solving or looking for solutions well, there's actually there's multitudes of ways that uh, can be done. Um, in NLP, of course, we talk about anchoring, you know, which is a very powerful process to help people, you know, move to a more positive state. But in, in an everyday sort of level, people are very familiar with even just simple things like your physiology and actually even things like music, for example. Let's just say, for example, in fact, let me ask you a question, Maria. Tell me... <laughs> What is your favourite upbeat type song? Uh, I don't have one particular one. song. Uh, Just any song that, that, you know, is a really sort of upbeat, sort of, you know, a feel-good type song. Uh, you got me on the spot there because I don't know. <laughs> okay. I know how it goes. I don't know the name okay, of the okay. song. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be, you'll probably come to you later on. Let's just, yeah. whatever it happens to be. Right? So let me ask you a question. Let's just say you're having a really bad day. Everything's not going to plan. You're just sort of, oh, it's just getting worse and worse as the day goes on. And then suddenly out of the blue, you hear your favourite song, your favourite upbeat, happy song. How would your state change just like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. It would definitely shift. You'd probably feel, you know, ah, oh, yeah, you might not maybe dance, but you sort of start to feel really quite good about yourself. So why not? you know, create a playlist of songs, for example, because we all have these songs, you know, that make us feel, you know, powerful, make us feel like a gladiator, you know, make us feel unstoppable, invincible, you know, or just feeling happy. Why don't actually create a playlist and just have this available to you anytime during the day. If you're feeling a bit down, just pop it on, start carrying on like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and you'll, you'll feel your state start to change, change dramatically. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Go on. So um, safe in the business sense, in the business world, let's say, would one play, say, a manager with, who has a team, would they play a certain song at the beginning of the day in a meeting to be able to get everyone in the right state? Or how would you apply that in the business world? Uh, that's a really good question. In a business setting, uh, you could, for example, um, a song may or may not be appropriate. I mean, you could certainly experiment with that and it may may certainly work quite well. Other possibilities will be things like inspirational type of movies or a quote, for example. Did you know that Roosevelt said this, you know, Edison said this, or, you know, uh, Zig Ziglar said this, you know, that could be a way of shifting people's, you know, state. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a movie, for example, inspirational movie would be other great, Thing you actually could do um, or a YouTube video for example and so on or even just beginning the meeting by saying hey everyone tell me one good thing that actually happened to you yesterday or today so far it's you know, just people went into a more positive oh yeah look this happened to me oh, I was just say oh people already sort of starting to feel really good about themselves before you then sort of launch into the meeting so I guess what you're saying is to shift the perspective and shift the focus onto something much more positive to be able to shift the state and create that result. Is that right? Exactly. And you probably heard, for example, of the feedback sandwich, you know, when we're giving people feedback, constructive comments and criticism, you know, we always begin by saying something positive, you know, Maria, I thought you really did a great job on that introduction and that presentation. You say it was awesome. You may want to think about, you know, how you maybe end, you know, whatever you might sort of say and say, so finally, look, you know, well done. Oh, I thought it was just great. I had some great comments from the talk. Go do it again. It's just fantastic. So, you know, you begin with a positive, something a bit more productive in the middle, end with a positive. Maria feels, ah, oh, that was awesome, you know, and she walks off feeling good about herself, but having something to also work with as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. So um, how do you maintain a, a mindset of success on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I probably use many of the things I've already talked about, actually. Uh, for example, um, I use anchoring throughout the day, you know, various techniques, whether they're um, uh, kinesthetic ones, you know, they're sort of, you know, using, uh, clicking my fingers, for example, or, you know, pulling my ear or whatever it might be. Uh, I could use music at different times. Um, I might actually have certain affirmations that I use throughout the morning. Um, so for me, you know, anchoring is very, very important to get me into a positive, powerful state. I think also what's very important is things like rituals, you know, habits and things. I, I sort of all like to quote here, um, the principles of success. There's things along the lines of, 
you know, watch your thoughts because your thoughts determine your words. Watch your words because they determine your actions. Watch your actions because they determine your habits and watch your habits because they'll determine your destiny. So our habits are very, 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 very important. And so what I like to do actually is to automate as much as I possibly can the process, getting myself into a really peak positive state whenever actually I need that, you know, by rituals or habits that I have throughout the day. I'll also use things like mental rehearsal. You know, very, very, very powerful. You know, I've got a, a talk coming up. You know, I will actually use maybe a bit of self-hypnosis, get myself into a really calm, relaxed state where I become a lot more creative and visual. And I'll then visualize the perfect performance. You know, getting a standing ovation, you know, sort of, you know, bowing down, everyone's clapping their head, you know, hands off, walking out, feeling absolutely fantastic. Do that, you know, three, four, ten times before the talk. I get there and I've already rehearsed it so many times that actually it's, you know, it's almost a walk in the park sort of thing. Um, what else have I got here? Um, again, you know, your health and well-being is also very important here. So just always focusing on how you can improve those two areas of your life, but also in terms of stress and anxiety. This also is a huge, huge area that affects so many areas of our life. In fact, let me ask you a question, Maria. You know, is there any areas of your life that you wouldn't be affected by your stress and anxiety levels? Um, no. um, like in terms of, is it only in one contextual area? Is that what you're asking? I'm thinking about things like your relationships, your health, your productivity, how you feel, you know, everything. If you think about it, almost every area of your life is actually affected by your anxiety and stress levels. So it's so, so important to be able to manage and deal with. Let me ask another question, Maria. You know, let's, are you more productive, more creative and can solve problems better if you're in a highly stressed, anxious state? Or if you're in a more relaxed, calm state? No, more relaxed, calm state, because stress is an unresourceful state. So you're not going to be problem solving or critically thinking about anything. So again, this tells us if we want to be able to solve problems, we want to be creative, we want to be able to deal with challenging scenarios very, very effectively, we sort of need to be in a more calm, relaxed state rather than being anxious and stressed at all times. Great. Um, you mentioned anchoring earlier, and um, I, personally, I know what anchoring is. Um, yourself, you do, because we're both trained. However, for those that are not trained in NLP, uh, what's an alternative or maybe an example that someone could use in anchoring that is not trained in, um, in NLP? Well, I'd probably actually go back to the example of, of the music is probably a very simple one because there are different types of tricks. Why don't you go back, in fact, to the example of Pavlo's dogs? Have you heard of the example of Pavlo's dogs, Maria? Yeah, I use it in my trainings. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old conditioned response type of story where Pavlo's actually had a couple of dogs. And what he used to do, well, this is a, you know, a nice thing or bad thing, we can probably argue for the rest of our lives, but you know, he actually, when he fed them, he actually used to ring a bell over and over and over again every time he used to feed them. And he found if he just rang the bell, they would just start to automatically salivate. 
And so what happened is that they became conditioned to respond to that trigger in a particular way. And in fact, if you think about it, as we get older and older and older, we develop sort of patterns of behavior that might have actually served us when we were younger, but actually often don't serve us anymore moving forward. And we actually, we actually almost do them as we get older in a trance. In fact, I've actually heard the, the term eating trance, drinking trance, smoking trance. We actually, you're doing things on autopilot, you're not even thinking about what you're doing. And so, you know, as we become more conscious of these, we actually then look at ways to be able to break out of those. We actually use triggers or anchors, in fact, to help us do that. This is actually a great example here. Again, so if we actually play a particular song, it invokes a particular emotion and that actually then gets us into a particular state. But what we can also do, for example, is if we relive certain types of really powerful positive events in our life, for example, um, you know, achieving a particular reward, for example, you know, getting praise or getting a, um, a promotion, for example, and that's really powerful and positive, we can actually then relive that event and then use either a kinesthetic or a um, uh, auditory anchor to sort of lock that emotion or that state actually in. So when I then in the future, for example, if I click my fingers, I actually will then start to feel, ah, ah, that's how I felt when I got this particular award. This is how I felt when I you know, got that setting ovation. This is how I actually got when I actually got that, whatever it might've been. That will then bring that back. And if you rehearse it multiple times, then whenever you invoke that click or whatever it might be, pulling on my ear or whatever it might be, I, like like Pelo's dog, I automatically actually then start to take on that particular state and just respond in that really powerful, empowered way. So what are some common um, situations where that might be useful for someone that's in business? Uh, for example, if they're giving a presentation, mm -hmm. you know, to their staff, they might, for example, feel quite nervous about that. Well, they might actually then create a powerful anchor that makes them feel invincible. They could, you know, do anything. They could then actually, before they get on to talk, they could just maybe click their fingers or they might just pull on their, whatever they might do into that really powerful resourceful state and then walk out and they say hello everyone it's great to be here with you wow i've got a lot to talk about today let's get cracking and off they go from that point on <laughs> and actually even then use it also during the talk for example they might sort of say well, look if i put my finger and thumb together that might be a powerful anchor to help me calm myself down Getting a bit, you know, taking it a little bit fast. And say, okay, put my finger. Ah, oh, let me just oh, take a bit of a deep, maybe a drink of water. Okay, let's now keep going with the presentation, guys. And off they go, sort of thing. It can be used in multiple ways. Excellent. And you mentioned rehearsing. I'd love for you to be able to expand on that a little bit more. Ah, oh, super, super powerful. In fact, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Um, have you heard of a guy called Michael Phillips? Yes. Yes. Uh, what was he famous for? Can you remember? Tennis. Uh, not sure, but maybe this is a different Michael Phillips. It's actually the guy actually who was the famous Olympian swimmer. Oh, that's right. Yes. Sorry. Wrong yeah. one. <laughs> There's probably multiple in the round. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they're related. Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, back, back to the Michael Phillips that I'm thinking of. Um, guess how many Olympic medals that he won? 
I don't know. Any idea? Would it have to guess? 10. 28, I think it was. And guess out of those, how many were gold? Uh, 20. <laughs> 23. Wow. Anyone, anyone else in the history of the Olympics? And you might say, okay, we must have been pretty damn good at what he did. He was a swimmer, right? But if you looked at his physique, what he did, he was not that much better than any other swimmers in, in his era, right? But what set him apart was this. Before each swim, you could see him on the side of the pool. He actually had some earphones on. He had his eyes closed and he was going through the mental rehearsal of that particular swim. In every detail, every stroke, he saw exactly the sort of the right turns at the end of the lap. He was just, everything was sort of rehearsed mentally. So he knew when he got into the water, it was already a done deal. He, he had it already sort of already sorted out. So that was one example. Another example, and I'm not sure of the guy's name here. I'm gonna probably get this wrong. Um, there's a guy called Lanny, I've forgotten his surname. He was actually a shooter. Anyway, when this poor guy was very young, he was really quite um, small and not very athletic. And actually, he was actually in his prep class. And, and that was right at the time of the Olympics. He actually asked the class, he said, who do you think, kids, in this class, who's going to become an Olympian? As I just said, look, to, sir, miss, miss, missus, I don't know who's going to be, but I know one person who's not going to be. And that's his Lanny. And they all started laughing at poor Lanny. And he got so pissed off and upset. He said, I'm going to win in a gold medal. It was like it really sort of annoyed him. And thought to himself, look, you know, I don't have the physical ability. Like, I'm really quite short. So what could I possibly do? I know what I'm going to do. I want to do some shooting, clay shooting, I think it was. Anyway, so he started sort of practicing the clay shooting and unfortunately he had a bit of stroke of bad luck. In the six months before the Olympics, he was actually in the army. He was actually stationed at some base where they had no rifles, right? This is the last month before the Olympics. And so what he did was every night, all he did was just simply for an hour or two, just mentally rehearse the whole process of shooting every night for those six months leading up to the Olympics. And what do you think happened when he got to the Olympics? He gold medal. Gold, exactly. And it was purely from his mental rehearsal, you know, primarily in that sort of six months building up to the actual game. So this actually is critical, you know, to help us in so many areas of our life to, you know, visualize and, you know, see ourselves performing exceptionally well. So we get to actually do the act, we've already seen it in our minds hundreds of times and just becomes again a bit of a walk in the park. Can you give us some examples in the context of business? Uh, again, I would talk about, for example, giving a presentation, you know, or maybe going for a job interview, for example, or, um, you know, giving a, uh, a pitching to a client, for example, with a you know, very important tender, for example. Um, anywhere, you know, where uh, powerful performance is required and you want to be performing at your absolute best uh, at that particular point in time. You know, giving a sale, you know, selling to maybe a top client, for example, or closing a sale, for example, is another powerful example. Okay. 
Beautiful. Okay, so what are some top tips? I mean, you may have already mentioned this to get someone out of a funk into a killer mindset. I'll probably already cover that already, to be honest. Um, again, things like, you know, maintaining focus. You know, what are the sort of things that distract you? And what are the things you can then eliminate from your environment to help you keep super focused on what needs to be done? I'll give you an example of this, Maria. Let's just say, for example, I mean, do you, did you play any sport in your, when you were younger? Plenty. <laughs> yeah. What did you, I guess an example. Athletics. Like a team sport, a team sport. Any team sports? Uh, soccer. Soccer. Let's just use soccer as an example. Let's just say, for example, here's the example, right? It's you're playing in the grand final. And of course, you're the goalie. I didn't I forgot to mention this crucial thing. <laughs> so you're playing in the grand final. We're down to the last couple of minutes of the game. The scores are tied, right? And then suddenly, out of the blue, you've got the ball. Time for one last goal attempt. How super focused would you be in that situation? Laser. Laser, okay. Have you been in that situation before when you were playing soccer? Maybe you have, I don't know. Not a goalie, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so what I'm trying to get out here is to be able to focus at will actually is so, so important. And there are various techniques you can actually use. And anchoring is actually another powerful one. But also things like um, just self-hypnosis or actually relaxation is actually a really good, powerful one to use here. So you get yourself in a nice, relaxed state. And then you can actually then from that point actually then start to then go into, you know, uh, focusing on a particularly important task you actually have. Again, using things like anchoring, you know, knowing how to get yourself into a positive, powerful state. What motivates you, for example, is also very, very important. What helps keep you relaxed and calm, you know, throughout the day or when you need to be calm and relaxed, for example, when you're giving a talk or, you know, talking to a client on the phone, for example. You know, using rituals to help you, you know, create an automatic sort of like a schedule of things you do for the day that you just naturally build your momentum, your resilience to challenges and just help keep you, you know, in a very powerful, resourceful state throughout the day. This is some examples we can use. Fantastic. Um, you mentioned focus and you've said this a lot throughout um, this, this episode. And I just want to uh, backtrack a little bit because uh, you said we have a lot of distractions in our world, in our environment. And this is quite true because technology has taken over so much that we're stimulated by so many things nowadays. Um, and majority of the time most people operate in an autopilot or in an unconscious way moving forward in their day so my question it is to you, actually we call it yeah, a that's right absolutely so my question would be to you is how does one become conscious of what the distractions are in order to eliminate them or to change them to therefore change the impact in the environment and how they're performing in the, in the environment. But you talk about this, in fact, during our business success mindset programs, we talk a lot about, you know, what are the things that distract you during the day and what actually suck your time up, what sort of take up your time from things that are crucially important for you. And so a couple of things that we talk about is identifying, for example, you know, where are you losing or wasting time throughout the day? 
You know, where are you, you know, in meetings that you really shouldn't be in? You know, where are you answering emails, you know, when you shouldn't be doing those? That's the first thing. Number two, thinking about, well, in my work environment, what is a constant distraction to me? You know, what are the things that take me away from the task I need to focus on that actually then take me 10 minutes to get back to it once I've dealt with the distraction? You know, turning off your emails, turning off your phones, for example, you know, all social media is turned off, for example, as well. So you sort of then be, you know, laser focus while you're doing that critically important task. Because I can guarantee you, go back to the example of you on the soccer field, Maria, you know, when you were going for that last goal, were you looking at your phone or talking about social media? <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, you were super focused. And this is what we're talking about, you know, getting rid of all that stuff that just doesn't matter, focusing on the things that are crucial to you at that point in time. So your environment's also very important. With the last thing we talk about actually is also what we call block time or batching. You know, when you're doing tasks that either are repetitive or tasks that are similar, for example, like following up on your prospect, you know, making sales calls, you know, batch them up all together. It's going to be very efficient, just going through them one after the other very, very quickly, and thereby being super efficient, but also getting rid of those distractions while you're doing that, you know, really important task as well. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, just to wrap this up, so last question is, can you tell us about a resource that you can, um, the listeners can utilise and access and how do they actually use it? Yeah, great, great question. I've got two of them, actually. I like to over-deliver. Uh, so the very first one we talked about, for example, the importance of, you know, managing your stress and anxiety. So I actually got a resource that gives people six or seven tips on just how to actually manage and reduce their anxiety and together with that actually a powerful hypnosis recording that she's all about you know reducing stress levels and providing deep relaxation so that's available there'll be a link that I've, I've given you. you can just maybe put that underneath this particular um recording number two people actually have lost their you know, their drive, their motivation or their mojo in terms of, you know, being a bit of an entrepreneur. We also have a couple of powerful tips to help them refocus and reignite that mojo, that entrepreneurship. There's also there's six or seven tips and there's also a powerful just recording they can use to download and actually just listen to that to reignite that passion that that drove them to start their business in the first place. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll pop that in and um, let the listeners be able to access that. Um, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you today in this episode. And I trust that the listeners have gotten uh, some extensive value from it. Awesome. Mina. Great to be here with you and the listeners. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much again, Marie, for inviting me. Thank you so much for tuning in and I trust that this episode has been helpful for you in business. My name's Maria Van Buchlis from The Conscious CEO. Until next time, bye for now.